0: I'm Eric Martin, welcome to Feeding Your Passion, the podcast for the entrepreneur and the food connoisseur. I'll be your host for our exclusive VIP dining experience where you'll meet top restaurateurs and other special guests. First, you'll get to know our celebrity restaurant owner, enjoy an amazing front of the house virtual culinary experience, and then wrap up by learning key action steps, insights and inspiration For thriving in the food service industry. Now, let's get rolling. Okay, Passion Nation, welcome to episode 13 of Feeding Your Passion, the podcast for the entrepreneur and the food connoisseur. I'm Eric Martin, your host. I'm extremely excited to be here today with a dynamic duo from Izzy's Restaurant in Franklin, Tennessee, Brad Bitterman, In Harlan Hole, okay, Brad and Harlan. Before we roll through a full and proper introduction, say what's up to Passion Nation.
1: How's it going, Passion Nation? This is Brad. Glad to be with you today.
2: All right. Hey, Passion Nation. This is Harlan. Just want to, uh, what an opportunity to be here today. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Great. Let's. Uh, you
0: guys have shared a lot of your background with me. I'm so excited uh, to spend this time with you and dive into your menu and how and why you developed your restaurant and the menu. It's it's very exciting. It's. I know it's one of the places Julie and I personally. You guys happen to be. Uh, we we've interviewed restaurateurs all over the country, but you guys happen to be right down the street. Probably over the past two or three months, we've eaten at Izzy's more than any other restaurant. It's got a great menu. So close to us. So Brad, give us your background. Help uh, Passion Nation and your customers understand your background, uh, and then we'll keep rolling.
1: Sure. I had a great opportunity for my first job ever when I was sixteen. Was uh, working at Denny's restaurant, and Denny's is the one you would picture with the grand, the grand slams and the all you can, uh, you know, the twenty four hours and all that bit. And I was working a graveyard shift uh, as a as a server. So from there, I went on to work at different restaurants and worked through uh, high school and college, always either. Uh, serving or bartending, mostly front of the housework. Parents were hoping I was going to get what they call a real job and get out of restaurants. And I did that for a while and I went into architecture. And the whole time I was uh, working there, I realized I I missed working in restaurants. So after seven years of college and a couple of years of working as an architect, I went back into restaurants and uh, started managing. And uh, that was in Chicago. And then after that, I moved out to Las Vegas, where I met uh, Harlan. Managed there for about uh, 13, 14 years uh, before finally moving to our current location here in uh, Nashville and Franklin, Tennessee. I guess the, the rest leads us up to now.
0: That sounds great. There is so much passion. And I do believe and that's why we do this podcast. Is that restaurant tours are are some of the most some of the most special entrepreneurs in the world. It's about hospitality. It's about serving. Man, it's in the heart and hands of restaurant tours around the country, and that's definitely the case for Brad and Harland. So, uh, Harlan, why don't you give us uh, give us an overview of your background as well?
2: Well, mine originally uh, I was doing dry cleaning before I got in the food uh, food industry. Kind of met some gentlemen at a gym playing basketball, and they asked if I would uh, <clears throat> play on their little corporate basketball team for the company I was working with at the time. And uh, so I worked one day a week doing busing tables to be kind of the ringer and then working two jobs and, you know, raising a child and and doing all that. Then I fell in love with the industry. Uh, I was around a lot of great people, a lot of good mentors, people that just had a really strong vision for, uh, you know, service and food and things of that nature. And it just grew from there, got out of the original industry I was in and then full time in uh, the restaurant world. So I would basically work. Back of the house during the day, in front of the house at night, and worked, worked my way up. Got my first restaurant about six, seven years later uh, in New Mexico with this company. Then I came back home from New Mexico, and that's where I met this gentleman here, as far as uh, working under the Caesar, Caesars Entertainment umbrella. And and as he said, you know, we went on and did some good openings together, made the jump over to Tennessee, and here we are.
0: The rest is history, and, and that's what we're going to jump into next with what— With the menu and concept and uh, experience you guys have created at Izzy's, but um, Harlan, you guys have had a lot of uh, experience in five-star dining, right? And five-star corporate dining, and you guys have put on some extremely high-end events both you guys together out in Las Vegas is that correct yes
1: yeah absolutely I mean uh, you know we worked at uh, you know some four and five-star hotels and of course Las Vegas is the party city where it's also the convention city where you get a lot of you know businesses and corporations as well as just your uh, your casual tourists and you know we were fortunate to work for a lot of you know big name celebrity chefs and uh, big name hotels and um, we saw a lot of a lot of what was up and coming in the food world in the last uh, 15 20 years you know and we were uh, lucky to be kind of ringside with a lot of that because a lot of restaurant tours even from LA and New York were will come to Las Vegas to kind of open up their own hand because they saw how much uh, action and activity there was going on. So we saw everyone from the the Bobby Flays and the Gordon Ramseys and the, uh, you know, Guy Fieri's and all those guys all came to Las Vegas. We had to work with all of them and the Robert Irvines and they were, uh, you know, we, we worked with them. They're all great people. We learned a lot about their vision and their restaurants and we, You know, I got to serve and work with a lot of, you know, VIPs and celebrities throughout the years. And that was a lot of fun. And we also enjoy just uh, working with uh, the local community as well. And uh, not so much all the all the tourist industry, but we've kind of uh, done both. And now it brings us to here.
0: Great. Yeah. You were telling me you guys have learned what to do and some of what not to do. And you wanted to bring that local touch into Franklin, Tennessee. And you've done that in an absolutely amazing way. So I'm excited about jumping in and and uh, diving in a little bit deeper. So. Brad, we'll start with you and Harlan, anything you have to add into to this question, let us know as well. What do you guys want our front of the house VIPs to know about your restaurant and the unique, and the unique experience it is Izzy's that they may not know? Well,
1: um, you know, Harlan and I have both worked from casual to fine dining, and I think both of us find our comfort zone in our niche and kind of be comfortable and familiar dining. Not fast food, but like we, we call it comfort food. And we try to create an environment that's comfortable and accessible to people with families Middle age uh, people on dates or going out, or you know, even our seniors in the community, whoever it is, we like to say everyone's got a, a seat at our table, and we try to create an environment that's uh, approachable and fun for everyone. Uh, we have live music, you know we have a stage. Uh, we've got outdoor dining on a patio. We've got uh, you know comfortable in- indoors as well as uh, you know full service bar. So we try to say we have a little bit of something for everybody. Try to make everybody feel comfortable whether you're there for a business meeting or you're doing some business deal or you're just there with your family. Whatever it may be. I think you could have a great time at our restaurant. And that's
2: what we're really shooting for.
0: Fantastic. Harlan, what would you say? What would you add to that?
2: Well, I couldn't say any better, but I, I think the additional would be that open feeling of of you know knowing us, knowing our staff. You know, our, our kitchen is an open kitchen for a reason. We might be able to have our clientele peek back there and say hello to the chefs and the cooks that are actually doing all the real hard work, you know, behind the scenes. So it, it's a, it's the kind of energy that we really wanted, uh, besides being comfortable, it's just their openness to connect with us, not only through food, but through music and uh, just people in general. So it's. it's yeah, and relationships. yeah, the relationships are huge to us. And that's that's what's important. That's really.
0: That's great. And, and you guys really have. I mean, when you think about it and look at it, you've packed in a lot of different experiences into one in that the amount of square feet that you have in Franklin, Tennessee. I mean, the outside patio is absolutely beautiful. We were there uh, the other night. The weather was absolutely perfect, and I had not eaten on the patio yet. Julie and I had dinner there, which was absolutely beautiful. The music is always first class. Of course, in Music City, there is so much talent in this area that you're going to have I mean, there are, you guys have relationships with some amazing local artists that do a tremendous job. You've got uh, high, high top tables, low top tables. You've got a bar, you know, where you can meet your friends and grab a drink and eat dinner there. So a lot of experiences, not to mention the food is absolutely fantastic. There's not an item on the menu that does not hit the mark. So let's jump into that a little bit deeper. So what is the most popular, highest volume item on your menu describe that offering for us
2: that's a good one uh well the mushroom brie and the house burger tend to be the top two burgers Uh, i'd say the mushroom brie overall but right now like our new some of our newer items are starting to creep up as well the tuna tataki and the crab cakes and when we originally opened which is not no longer on the menu but our lobster fries i would have to say was the original home opener You know, that that was the one everybody kind of went after. You know, the mushroom brie, obviously it's got brie cheese on it, sautéed mushrooms, grilled onions, prosciutto, two four-ounce patties, a nice little potato bun um, served with any choice of your side. So uh, yeah, that one's always a challenge because I know Brad will chime in on this one too, where we created a menu. it's We're committed to having everything be something we like. A lot of menus you go to, or a lot of times him and I have been in this industry long enough with menu design where you had a a menu and let's say 40% of it, you're like, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's okay. You know, that kind of mentality, but not with this, this is our, this is our passion. This is everything we like all the way uh, up to the beverage menu as well, which I know Brad's uh, been putting a lot of work in on the beverage side, the wine side, especially. So that that's kind of my take on that one.
0: Great. Brad, give us your input. Yeah,
1: I mean Harlan covered the big favorites, you know, the only thing I'd add to that would be uh we've got a, a Franklin hot chicken cob salad, uh that's um, you know, by sales probably the other most popular item. We call it Franklin Hot because um I've tried all the natural hot chicken. I can't compete with that stuff. So we, we made our own blend of spices and hot and heat, and uh, we called it Franklin instead, since there wasn't a market for that one yet. You know, the, the versatility of our menu, I think, is something that's important. Like, you know, knowing everyone else's dietary, and everyone's got different things that they're either allergic to, or they're more aware of in terms of maybe intolerances, uh, or just want to eat healthier. So everything on our menu is very customizable. Like, we have the Franklin Hot Chicken cob, which is a it's a nice piece of uh, you know fresh pounded chicken that's breaded and fried and dipped in hot oil. But you can also get that as a grilled piece piece of grilled chicken or. A Fried chicken, or whatever it may be, uh, you can substitute shrimp or tuna. So we we try to make our menu very adaptable to anybody's uh, needs and kind of wants. So uh, making that flexibility, I think, is important to to the diners. And if I get, how I get give any piece of advice to people out there that are looking thinking about their own restaurant, is think about what everyone else is eating and those those trends, uh, not just kind of what you like or what you're kind of focused on. You know, guests will come in with a lot of different uh, particulars, and we've been able to to handle those a lot. Yeah, I totally agree with what Harlan's saying. You know, we we've kind of put together a greatest hits of uh, a lot of the restaurants we been to over the years and been a part of, kind of the ones that we've collected that all sell well. We've kind of made our own twists and made our own recipes for them. And then, you know, the other thing I would say about that is, um, you know, ha- having that variety of uh, food, there-, there are things too that we also saw that were in our market in Franklin that weren't necessarily readily available. So um, not a lot of places to get, say, tuna to, to tataki outside of going to a sushi restaurant. And the way my family is, I got a wife and two kids, we want we ask where you want to go out to eat, we'll get four different answers. I want sushi. I want tacos. I want spaghetti. I want burgers. Well, you can get all four of those at our place. So uh, we try to get a place where, um, and we do see it where people come back more than once or twice a week because the variety of the menu is uh, is service to that kind of purpose. Where I can get tacos and street corn one day, and I can get uh, you know uh, fresh pasta the next, or I can get a steak and shrimp, uh, you know, or just a burger. So I think that's the kind of uh, variety that people enjoy, uh, and that and that comfort I think brings them back.
0: Absolutely, and the quality, and, and I will validate julie and i there are certain ways we order things like i order the mushroom brie burger uh with no bun and then i'll order your seasonal vegetables which is a phenomenal side brad why don't you tell us about your seasonal vegetables i mean if i don't want fries then i'll order those seasonal vegetables i ordered that the first time and i can't get off of it because it's absolutely a fantastic side dish
1: no, it's, sure. That's great. I mean, we we do uh, uh, cut up red peppers and portobello mushrooms and uh, zucchini uh, and just saute those and, uh, um, you know, get them seared hot in a flat top and uh, just real simple the salt and peppers and some olive oil. Um, but uh, again, having those variety of things on the menu. So like if you get a burger and you're a very healthy guy, Eric, by the way, so that's good that you do that because, you know, we, we, we uh, cater to all kinds of cuisines, but you're, you're, you're one of the healthy people. So uh, like you said, you don't always want fries necessarily, but so like on our side, you can get the vegetables or you can get trade cauliflower. Or you can get a side Caesar salad or a side house salad. And those are all sides that are interchangeable with just having the fries. So again, that's part of that versatility that I think people enjoy and that you can't get everywhere. You know, if you go to just a burger place, you, I doubt you're going to be able to get a side Caesar salad with your burger instead of fries. And that's something that I think that uh, people enjoy. And that's why uh, they can come back and try. Oh, and the street corn too. I got to mention that, you know, the, the spicy street corn uh, we do. So um, having that variety of those sides, I think is important again for the variety but also the different types of uh, way people eat.
0: Absolutely. That sounds great. Now, when we move on to this next question, feel free to jump into the dessert menu or the drink menu. But give us give us one more owner-recommended must-try item when our guests come into your restaurant. And I want each of you to give us at least one uh, thing that they must try when they come in.
2: Man, I'd, I'd probably have to go. Our street tacos are amazing. We brought on uh, new shrimp tacos I'm, I'm in love with the newer items though. I'll, I'll tell you that. The, the crab cake, tuna tataki, things like that.
1: Well, I think uh, one of the unique sessions we have is our things on fries. So I'll just mention that. Like Harlan mentioned, one of our first things we had were lobster fries. Unfortunately, with the way the uh, supply chain is right now, lobster costs more than a small car. So we don't want to charge people for an automobile when they come in to eat. So we've changed from lobster to crab, but that's been doing really well too. Like you said, we did the crab cake. But um, having uh, really good fries by the way, and Harlan and I can tell you that we've sampled maybe 20 different types of fries and fries are the one thing that we don't cook from scratch as far as cutting our own fries. We thought about it and then we saw the volume we were doing and then we At each other, well, that's going to be crazy. So we do purchase our fries, but um, they're awesome. And uh, they're the kind that stay crispy and, you know, can hold up to putting uh, either pulled pork on them or crab or, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, And those are always fun because everyone likes fries. And then putting a variety of things on top of fries, well, that and a beer, you can't really go
0: wrong. You can't go wrong. Different textures, flavors, proteins on fries. That is um, absolutely perfect. Fantastic. So as we wrap up the front of the house segment, share with our listeners uh, strategy, core value, or Behavior that you guys kind of teach your staff or teach your team that really exemplifies the Izzy's experience. All right,
1: uh, I'll take that one first. Uh, that's a good question. Um, for us, you know, Harlan and I are really big about the core value of just um, our our team is the most important. As far as we uh, we hire people that are like minded like us. We hire people that are good people that enjoy hospitality, but we also hire people that want to get their hands dirty. Uh, the first thing in an interview we'll tell people is there's no such thing as that's not my job, and you hear that a lot. But at our place, it's absolutely true at any given day you'll see myself and harlan either taking out the trash or standing in the trash or uh doing dishes or cooking or doing prep or making drinks behind the bar and we've got a staff that's willing to do all those things too because they all know with a smaller restaurant that uh sometimes you gotta wear several hats and i I think having a culture of everybody helps everybody and um everybody uh is in it together that's the best feeling because at the end of the day we have a lot of fun and if you're not having fun in what we're doing then man choose another career because uh there are definitely ones that are easier um but uh, as far as rewarding and, and the, the passion that goes into it and the type of people we work with, uh, we, we find people that are like us that share the passion for the industry and share the passion for food and for you know cocktails and wine and whiskey and all those things we try to uh, impart to our guests because we get excited about them and we want uh, the guests to be excited about them too. And we like having a whole staff of people that uh, shares our uh, our mindset.
0: Fantastic. That's what brings customers back, no doubt. Well, good. So that wraps, up the, that wraps up the front of the house segment. Let's jump into the back of the house segment and talk about... How how you guys make things happen in the back of the house. So either one of you can take this, but I know you guys both have, and, and I'd love to hear from both of you on this, but what is one thing you feel like you've done really well in the development of your restaurant?
2: Build a team mentality It basically ditto to what brad had just told you about the front of the house side of it there's no chef no cook no dishwasher no anybody that is considered a position it's you work for us with us just like we work for you we don't have fry guys we have everybody that knows how to do the fry station we don't have one person doing it that's their whole life and that's all they ever do that's that's the kind of mentality and the standard we kind of set i believe that is a is a unified front for the whole building, and then just for the passion of the food and and getting the job done consistency with it as well. The like minded is is a is a word that's thrown around a lot. I think we use it the best we can in a way to motivate our team to do everything, be a part of the overall success as a unit. So I, I I'd have to say that's our that's our mindset with this kitchen, how we do things.
1: Great, Brad. I think one thing we did well was, uh, and it was unexpectedly we did better than we thought we were going to do was just the variety on the menu. We initially had a draft that was like maybe four pages long. We cut it down to one and a half because we had so many different foods we wanted to do and try to try. And our mentality was, well, let's just try this and whatever doesn't work, we'll we'll take off. I'll take it off the menu and replace it. Fortunately or unfortunately, uh, everything has done very well. I don't think we could take anything off the menu right now without having someone say, oh man, I really missed that item. It was literally probably a 25% from myself, from Harlan, from uh, our chef Tara, and my wife as well, uh, because uh, she uh, she's a very good job of putting in the, uh, the input side of like, well, when ladies go out to eat, they like to have XYZ. And uh, she did a great job with that because things that I didn't think were going to be very good sellers were top of the list, uh, especially on a weekday lunch when we have uh, I look out and it's It's most you know, ladies of all ages dining in the middle of the dining room, and they're all loving all the items that my wife came up with. So I think we you know lucked out, maybe, or just we we hit a we hit a better hit we thought we were going to with the the type of menu and the the variety we had. We really don't have any items that we had to take off because they weren't doing well,
0: right? And a page and a half is a good length. You don't have too many things to read through, think through. Everything you order is good. I think you did knock it out of the park. On that, and anybody who visits Izzy's is going to see that. It is a absolutely fantastic menu. So, what is one thing you now know that you wish you would have known when you started your food service journey?
2: You want to take that one first Harlan? I'd have to probably say. The evolution of the, the food going into COVID. Obviously, I hate. I don't like bringing up COVID.
0: Um, hey, we've all been through it, and it's been a challenge, yeah. no doubt. But yeah,
2: I, I think from coming from Las Vegas to coming to Tennessee, and just the the evolutionary side of the whole everything from staffing to food to opening a business mm-hmm. to all the things you you know that pop up that you have to learn. Um, I think that's that's the main things for me. I don't know how you feel about that one, Brad.
1: Yeah, I, I think the thing uh, is that when you go, you know, we're res- and I were in a lot of restaurants and big big hotels and casinos where you had a lot of people doing a lot of things for you. Sometimes, uh, I think to our regret, we didn't get our hands as dirty as we do now, for sure. Uh, and I, I think... Um, When you think about and you plan on something for a restaurant on paper, it's a lot harder to execute when you take through all the steps that need to have it happen. And even, you know, especially menu planning and food development, you know, one regret I have is that because our menu is so diverse, it takes a lot of people in the kitchen to get it done. Some people walk in there. They kind of look back. They're like, "Wow, you guys got a lot of people working here." And we're like, "Well, we got a lot to do, you know." And I, I think you know. Sometimes uh, I went out to lunch today to a taco place, and they didn't have service at the tables. They didn't have uh, waiters, and they had two people standing behind the counter making tacos. And I was like, "Now that's a slim labor model." So, but at the same time, that's something we didn't want to do. We, we wanted to do a full service restaurant where you can sit at a table and, and get served and get waited on. And those are the choices I think that you know, you make early on as far as what you want to be, but you've got to be committed to it and stick to it because those also equal associated extra costs with how elaborate you make your menu, um, you know, how, how big the variety is, and how, how you're going to execute it. You know, um, you're making everything fresh from scratch, and you're prepping that every day, that takes a lot more energy, a lot more labor dollars to do so. So uh, I think it's like my advice would be if you have a vision, stick to your vision and don't shortcut it, but uh, be aware of all the things that are involved with that vision and how to make them happen.
0: Fantastic, Brad. I'm going to ask you this question. Um, take us to your worst, most challenging moment as a restaurant tour. Tell us that story and what you learned or gained through that experience.
1: I'm going to tell a story about me uh, standing in the garbage dumpster, um, surrounded by thirty to forty bags of garbage. Um, when we first uh, planned on our how big our waste container was going to be in the back of our uh, our restaurant. Um, well, we didn't have a lot of experience with plan on g- dumpsters because we had hotel dumpsters before. And those fit everything. Those are the size of semi trucks. Uh, we had to figure out our own dumpster based on how busy we thought we were going to be. And our first month, Harlan, you can vouch for this, all we had was garbage everywhere. I, I felt like we were at a dump myself. And the extra cost associated with uh, more garbage pickups and bigger garbage containers and dealing with complaints of trash bags. And then trash bags being bring uh, you know flies and insects and rodents and uh, everything that you don't want to deal with in trash. And so we were literally jenga in if that's a word, uh, but you know, rearrange our dumpster, try giving them fit in our dumpster with every garbage pickup. We've now figured out Eric, how to do garbage. But uh, that first month, I did not think that was going to be my biggest challenge was garbage. But now that it's up in the past, I can tell you that you get your garbage figured out early on. That'll help you a lot.
0: Hey, and I I, I will say that uh, when you plug into and ask people who have done it before, you know, you don't know until you do it. And when you go through it, you learn it extremely well. So uh, if anybody plans on opening a restaurant and wants to become a garbage expert, make sure you go to Izzy's <laughs> and ask to see Brad and talk through that with him, he'll happily uh, educate you on the finer points of how to handle garbage, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. And when you're, you know, when you're feeding people and they're coming in and you're putting menu items out, I mean, that's a challenge, you know? Yeah, to work through that. So, That sounds great. So let me ask you guys to inspire industry innovation. What are some of the biggest challenges you're facing today? Whether it's, you know, something technology wise, or is there a food product that could be developed that would make your life easier? What would you say?
2: Well, I think the time right now, I mean, on my end uh, that I could I think we have a list, Brad. I don't know. I think there's like, what, (laughs) a hundred staffing is, is a challenge. I think the fact that very young generation of working class right now where kids are trying to work hard go to school young families you know juggling two jobs i think staffing's like kind of my my first thing that comes to mind Brad what do you think?
1: I definitely echo staffing I mean that's uh, it's a hard job and there's less people that want to stand over a hot kitchen when you can make the same amount of money being an Uber driver and sit in your car with air conditioning and listen to music Um, so yeah I would echo that for sure the other thing I would say would be just you know being aware of kind of all the situations going on like you mentioned COVID and you know Harlan and I have been through that roller coaster where uh, delivery and takeout is a big part of restaurants right now and you need to have a delivery and takeout strategy because when we were in the the winter months especially when no one was going out and this was before vaccines takeout was 25 to 30 30% of of our uh, wholesales. So, um, you know, planning your food to go. Um, I always say I really... I really fear or I hate the idea of takeout because I can't control what happens to that food once it leaves the door. I can't control how long it is before they eat it. I know when they sit at my restaurant, I could serve my hot plate right in front of them. and I know they're going to watch them eat it. But uh, takeout's tough. You know, sometimes we've had bad reviews on our food through takeout. And I look, I scratch my head and I say, well, I wonder how long it was or what happened to that bag. Did it get swung around in a circle? You know, was who, who knows? And having a good takeout strategy for your food because uh, it needs to look and taste as good as it does at home and it does in the restaurant. And that's a big part of uh the restaurants going forward because i mean we all know that we've done takeout during the COVID times i mean that's so we had to rely on for th- everything open back up. So
0: You know, that is an absolute great point. And one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is we want your customers to get to know you a little bit better, a little bit deeper, so that they understand how much you care about serving a menu item that absolutely knocks it out of the park, whether it's delivery or in your restaurant. And if they come in and let you know about that, then I know you're going to make sure they have a great experience and a great product. And sometimes there are things out of your control with delivery. So if we're... Asking for convenience and to have things delivered, you know, sometimes there are things that can happen out of your control. But I think it's important just as you communicated to everybody how much you care about that menu item being right, because you've built your brand around quality, consistent menu items. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that with us. And so what platform... Do you guys feel is the best investment of your marketing dollars? It could, it may be a specific type of advertising you do. It may be Instagram. Uh, What would you say is the best use of your marketing dollars?
2: You want to start with that one, Harlan? I'm going to, I always believe in word of mouth. And I know that's not, you don't spend money on that, but you do. I think we work a lot of hard, work very hard on investing in ourselves to give an experience to the guests that they will talk about us. So I kind of look at it as, the guest to me is like that's that's the one to me. I know there's I'm sure Brad'll chime in on some of the other ones that we've we've tried over time, but uh, I think that's a number one to me.
0: and there's that's a great perspective.
2: and, and it's just something internally. It, it's a personal feeling to me. That's all. But there's definitely more platforms like Brad will chime in on.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, Holland, I, I love that answer because the most people we could get in, I would say the majority of people that come there, I said, well, how'd you hear about us? I would say a vast majority, 78%. A friend told me to come here. Like you said, you can't buy that advertising. That's something you have to do on your own. But I will, so I will answer on the other side. I mean, we, we have done some things. I mean, social media obviously is, is great. Uh, we've got people that are younger than us that work our social media because, you know, we're old and we don't know how to press all the buttons. Um, and, um, you know, that's been great. Because it literally is, other than us paying the person to do it, It's free, obviously. And it it gets the fastest spreading. Like, you know, we take a picture of a pancake on a Sunday morning, and all of a sudden it's got 140 shares in 15 minutes. And, you know, that's not something you could just do. You know, and I I think that's the immediacy of social media is that you could say, hey, I'm doing this right now, rather than uh, if you're planning for something, like we have have done magazines, we've done local newspapers, we've done like the Community Impact Paper. All those things I think have been impactful because everyone gets their news and their, you know, their um, exposure from different things. Um, But you'll get different age groups. You know, know, the, the people that read the Community Impact Paper and bring in a coupon are very different from people that liked us on Instagram and came in and saw us because we did some reel of us making donuts or something like that. You know, so you've got to be aware of what marketing is targeting what uh, segment of the population. Uh, and I think it's all important. But, um, you know, I think we found out that obviously for for dollar wise, it's what Harlan said, it's the the people are our best advertisers. And then after that, it's social media. And then, you know, we've, we've dabbled in radio and, and, um, you know, internet and, um, you know, printed and all those things. I think they're all important, but I think when it comes down to it, the majority of the people we get back are ones from word of mouth. And we saw you on X, Y, Z, or we get a lot of things like from, from Yelp and some of those like restaurant ranked sites or or Yelp and Google and that sort
0: of thing. Right. Great. One of the things that is resonating to me throughout this entire conversation is that life's too short to put a bad menu item to, to have a bad menu item. And I think you guys, you know, you connect with your customers when they order something and it's great. And they're not having to come to your restaurant five times to say, Oh, I finally ordered the right thing. Every menu item knocks it out of the park. And, uh, that makes, that makes a big difference. And that helps inspire word of mouth because people's re- reputations on the line. And when they can feel confident and excited about what they're recommending, that is, uh, we've told, we've told many friends about Izzy's. So that is good. As we wrap up the back of the house segment, before we go into the final crumbs, our lightning round segment, uh, share with us a key back of the house strategy or behavior geared toward maximizing quality and consistency with every dish.
2: I want not you talk about, uh, don't you talk about our, our Tuesday prep? The Tuesday prep. We, we basically spend one day just focused on just the food, just getting prepared for the week. You know, I'm there personally doing it. Uh, Brad, Joe, and, uh, the rest of our chefs have, have all been a part of the process and making it a part of our, our regimen now. Uh, obviously, we close on these days, uh, Monday and Tuesday, but Monday's the the rec- uh, recoup day and Tuesday's the day to get in it and get back well rested and put the heart behind the food and get it all ready. And, and that's also our time to teach our team new things and, and get them progressing. You know, we got a lot of staff, like we said before, that doesn't never picked up a knife before. So we got to teach them how to do things. But um, that, that's my take on that one. Brad, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think that's the cross training. Um, You know, consistency is key. I I love, you know, watching and learning from. Restaurants that do it right because it's the same every time. You know, I I admire a place like uh, like a Roost Chris or an Outback that you go to one in any any county, any city, where you go, it's exactly the same. And there are ways to do that. And it's hard enough, I'll tell you, in one restaurant to make sure that everybody makes your curry cauliflower the same way. You know, some people cook it too long, some people add a little too much curry, some people add too much oil. And we could have you know between five different cooks, you could have five different variations of curry cauliflower. And we don't want that because we want our guests to feel like they it's the same food every time. Not they don't have to look back and say, okay, who's on the saute today. Um, That's not the way it is. And so that's what Harlan says about cross-training, getting everybody in there to kind of, everyone preps every item, everybody rotates and cooks through every station. Uh, And Harlan and our chef Tara and myself being there to teach people you know, how to do it the same way to everybody. That's, uh, that's very key.
0: Fantastic. And, and you have a very consistent menu and, and uh, that is uh, definitely a key. You guys do a great job with that. I could tell the systems and processes you have in place are yielding the result that you're looking for. So that sounds great. Um, Brad, we're going to go into the final crumbs and I'm going to ask you these questions and let, you may want to defer, you may want to defer some of these to Harlan, but uh, we're going to, we'll move through these uh, a little bit quicker, but you take the question or defer it to Harlan. And we've got about, five questions in our final crumb segment. So, uh, number one, what is the most what is the thing you're the most passionate about today?
1: Uh, giving people a memorable experience. Um, you know, I think people come in for birthdays and anniversaries and they come back and we see people taking pictures of their kids and their birthdays and they're going to remember, you know, I had that birthday at Izzy's. Uh, One of our guys, our musicians, uh, is getting married and he met his fiance at Izzy's. And that's what I'm passionate about is we're creating a backdrop for people's memories. You know, at the end of the day, there's jobs out there that are, I think, more important than mine. There's doctors and lawyers and people saving lives out there. And and what we're doing is we're in the business of creating memories for people. You know, like when you get together on the table with food and and a glass of wine, you're, you're sharing memories, you're sharing time with your family. Um, and, uh, memories are the best thing. That's what, that's what we are trying to make. Absolutely.
0: What is the best advice you've ever received?
1: Train and hire someone to be your replacement. Never be afraid of someone being better than you. You always want to look out for those young kids that are, um, passionate and, and wise and eager. And uh, don't be afraid of them. Uh, don't hide secrets from them. Uh, share everything you know, and uh, if they can hire you a replacement. Well, I can get an extra day off that way.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. What book would you recommend to Passion Nation and why?
1: Uh, I really like, uh, there's a lot, you know, dealing with food, of course, too. Um, I could say anything from Anthony Bourdain and on. I love everything he writes about as far as passion goes. Um, I would say uh, for a restaurant, uh, read the Power of Habit. Um, it's about uh, a lot of different things, but it's about creating habits, so uh, personally, but also within your within your organization and within your community. And it's uh, been very impactful for me.
0: Great. Share a culinary technology or resource that you like that you feel like others could benefit from.
1: Um, we don't personally use it. Uh, we've tried it, but uh, I would say sous vide is a great um, technique. If you haven't tried sous vide, um, I know most chefs, uh, any kind of large scale operation, know what that is, but that's uh, basically you can cook and uh, maintain food uh, or a protein to a certain temperature and have it perfect every time and then just finish it off, whether you're grilling it or roasting it or whatever it may be. Uh, sous vide's uh, pretty darn cool. It's be um, yeah. re- re- approved by all the FDA still, so working on right. that.
0: Fantastic. So um, I would like each of you. To answer this question, and this wraps up our lightning round, but um share one piece of advice for food service sales professionals to help them earn trusted advisor status with you.
1: All right, I, I got a couple of things. First of all, be involved and be invested. You know, everyone shows up and they all act like they care at the beginning. They all do that. It's like a honeymoon period. They all want to court you. They all care about you at the beginning, and then the, after you get their business, that quickly fades. So judge about who's actually invested and who cares and has input, and even you know, like they said, oh, you're working on a crab cake. Well, I've got some crab that might be better than this. Maybe you know, try this and. Instead, people that answer your questions based on not what's best for their pocketbook and what's best for their sales, but what's, you know, there are... There are a lot of great food uh, vendors out there that are doing well. We work with some really great ones here um, in uh, in Franklin and in Nashville. And the ones that do great, I think, also have a chef advisor that works with them. That is also has been in the business, or the, a lot of these guys have already been in the business too, cooks, whatever. And have those guys that are part of your vision, and you tell them kind of what you're trying to do. They'll give you lots of options, not just like, hey, buy this uh, frozen product because I got an extra ten cases I got to sell. They're looking at what you actually are doing. They care about it, and they try to get you know they try to bring in things that match our our culture you sure match our menu and are actually involved in the success. And they ask, they say, hey, how's that new menu item going? How's this doing? How's this selling? You know, and then the most recent things too, when things are getting tough in terms of product replacement, when things are unavailable or you can't get them, having ideas that they come up with, they're preemptively telling you, hey, listen, crab might be tough to get in the next three weeks, but you better stockpile now. And then after three or four weeks, you better start looking at something else. So those vendors that care and look out for those things, those are the ones that to me are, they're, they're my, my friends for life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've been in supply chain for 28 years. And uh, I've always told our team that, uh, hey, when you help the independent restaurant owner run a successful business, then it secures the entire industry. And and uh, that's exactly what you described as being willing to go the extra mile, care more, serve the independent operator because, uh, you know, we're partnered in this business together. So that sounds great. Harlan, do you have any thoughts uh, for uh, food service sales professionals on what they could do to earn trusted advisor status in your mind for you?
2: Um, try to think like who you're trying to help, like uh, really relate to what they're going through besides just trying to get the sale or, or do something like that. I've I've met a lot of you know purveyors over time just like brad has and a lot of them have always said oh yeah i used to run a restaurant i used to do this i used to do that um you know to me if you know the industry on one side and you're doing a different one respect both sides and and that's that's what we should do too as partners um you know one of the com- companies i grew up within the industry purveyors was always one of the bigger subjects of our culture and so just you know having someone that's always looking out for you you know i'm sure it's a little bit of a, a ditto what brad just said but i think that's it you know and always think big and and take care of the small things, you know, and help through that process and communicate as well. That's my great advice.
0: Great advice. So we'll wrap up. So we're on the sweet course. We're going to end this VIP dining experience uh, with one final piece of sweet advice. Brad, why don't we start with you? Um, I
1: would just say, um, and this is advice to myself and Harlan as well, As uh, you know, this first year we've been open, uh, I've learned a lot in probably a lot more than I've learned in the last 20 years of food service combined. But, um, you know, there are times when, you know, the difficulty of what we're doing can get you down and really kind of bring you under. And, stress you out and get you overworked. But the thing that brings us back all the time are the laughs and you know, the camaraderie of what we're doing. And so I always said, no matter what you're doing, always have something in your culture that keeps you having fun because, uh, this, uh, business isn't for everybody and it'll, it'll chew you up real quick if you're not having fun at the end of the day. Uh, and we have a lot of fun still. Uh, we're always looking for ways to reinvent that and to kind of keep our, our culture. And there may be times you may see, uh, our staff huddled at the bar in the corner on a Saturday night doing a shot at the bar because we just hit a record number or something like that. And, um, Some people might frown on that kind of technique, but uh, our staff loves it. And and we um, do things to keep our staff motivated and happy. And and like I said, keep that fun part because without that, um, it's a long day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Harlan, you have one final piece of sweet advice?
2: Uh, be there for yourself as much as you are for other people. That to me is a big key to it. Brad and I've gone to war. (laughs) I call it war all the time for the past, I'd say almost 10 years now. And, you know, we fought a lot of different battles. Just be there for each other. And I mean that in a big sense and not just me and Brad, you know, his wife, Joe, Tara, my son back home in Vegas, to his kids, to we're fighting for each other every day, to my entire staff, you know, our entire team, just be there for each other. Always take care of each other because in the industry, to me, there's a lot of battles, that are being fought that nobody ever even knows about that or you know they don't even realize that that's what it takes to make a burger, to clean the restaurant, to just staff it. So that's
0: right. And you guys be there. Yeah, be there. And you guys have talked a lot about family. Every time I've talked to you, you've talked a lot about family. And one thing I've looked at in my 28 car- twenty eight year career, we could all work 24 hours a day, seven days a week uh, in this industry, in the food service industry from beginning to end. And um, I've always said, hey, I don't want to do anything I'm going to regret. I mean, I've worked long hours. You know, My son at college said, uh, I heard people start talking about nine to five. He said, I was real confused, dad, because you never worked nine to five. It was like 10 o'clock when you'd come through the football with me. Okay. And uh, put a lot of time in, but the important events and the things that were important to them, I wanted to make sure I was always there. And, and, uh, you know, that's Harlan, when you said what you said, that's what it made me think of is that, you know, being willing to invest that time and and say, Hey, I'm going to not do this so I can go be with my family or my son or my daughter for this event, because it's important. You know, so well,
1: Eric. That's one of the reasons we uh, we did uh, one make one choice. We close every holiday, so now you know, out of corporate world, every holiday we're home with our family. So that's a good thing.
0: Great, and I think people should should support you extra for that. You guys just have a great heart, a great heart for hospitality. You are uh, you do a tremendous job from a culinary standpoint. And I would encourage anybody who travels to Nashville, Tennessee, make a trip to Franklin, about twenty miles south. Visit Izzy's, and I just want to thank everybody for joining today. I also want to thank Brad and Harlan for serving the industry in the Izzy's community today by spending some time with us. Go support Brad and Harlan at Izzy's in Franklin, Tennessee. And remember, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. You've been hanging out with Eric, Brad, and Harlan today. With that, we'll catch you on the next episode of Feeding Your Passion. Until then, stay hungry and go be be great. Okay, that time with Brad and Harlan was fantastic. The number one point that I took away from today's episode is make every menu item great. And as a food connoisseur, I can tell, food connoisseurs can tell if the menu item was designed with passion, prepared with passion, and plated with passion. And as a restaurant owner, there's so much investment that goes into getting that customer in the chair to order an item. And... As a restaurant owner, our business is built on repeat customers, so there's no reason to settle for put in that passion and operate let's operate in our zone of passion as we design menu items. There's so many resources out there that can help with that. Your distributor rep, online resources, broker rep, a broker rep would be happy to bring samples to you to help dial a menu item in. To find the best broker reps in the industry, go to salesoneus.com, one sales1us.com, that's with one spelled out, O-N-E, sales1us.com, and they would be happy to help with menu development. So I do want to invite everybody to go get to know the local owner at your favorite local restaurant because the experience is different when you know the owner. Get to know them. Tell them you'd love to introduce them to Feeding Your Passion. Send them an email. Send me an email. Copy them. So you have to get their email address. Copy them. And I would love to interview them. My email address is Eric at feedingyourpassion.com. That's Eric at feedingyourpassion.com. And we'd love to interview uh, the local restaurant owner. As we wrap up, I want to give a quick shout out to Mark Wood for sending me two restaurant owners that have been two fantastic interviews, restaurant owners that he knew. Mark, thank you for that. I want to thank Steve for a five-star review. I want to thank Joey Mack for a five-star review. Thank you, guys. And Passion Nation, we'll catch you on the next episode of Feeding Your Passion. Until then, go be great. As always, thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe. Also, please visit our website, feedingyourpassion.com to sign up for our email list so that we can deliver each episode right to your inbox and so that you can give us feedback on our content because we want to be dialed in to what you're passionate about. Until next time, go be great, Passion Nation.